This is The Jerry Callahan Show. So what did you do yesterday if you don't like sports? If you don't watch sports, what did you do yesterday afternoon when the PGA Championship was on and I saw one of the most incredible, most unforgettable moments I think I've ever seen in my uh, 50-something years of uh, watching sports? And what did you do last night? when you watched a basketball team, an NBA team that was supposed to go to the finals, was supposed to win the title, let's be honest, just quit on their head coach. Just decide at some point yesterday or last night that they were going to get their coach fired. And you know what? They did. Say what you want about the Celtics. They're not going to uh, advance to the finals. They're not going to win the Eastern Conference Championship, but they did succeed. Somehow, some for some reason, they wanted to get uh, Joe Missoula, their young head coach, fired. And they did. He will be gone by Wednesday because a couple of superstars don't want him, don't like him, and laid down like dogs in their, uh, in their uh, playoff game in Miami last night. It was remarkable, I have to say. If you're just, if you're just watching the drama of a sporting event, you're not necessarily rooting I know most people in New England were very disappointed, but this was something to see a team just go out there on national TV in front of the world and just quit essentially and say, uh, we don't want to play for that guy. That's how it works in the NBA, by the way, if you're a superstar and you want to get your coach gone, you can do it. All you got to do is uh, quit, give up, get blown out on the road in a playoff game, get blown out by an eighth seed and soon you will have a new coach, and they will. It was, to be honest, disgusting to watch. We'll get to that. It was, it was, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen a more brazen, more obvious act of sabotage than what the Celtics players did to their head coach last night. And I don't think I've ever seen a moment that shocked me and just entertained me like the uh, hole-in-one from a club pro at the PGA championship. That wasn't in, in my mind, that wasn't the most uh, impressive thing he did. And I'm talking about Michael block, who by the way is all over TV. I just, I just saw him on the CNN morning show. He, he's everywhere and he's enjoying the moment. And it is, it was just a treat. I have to say, uh, yeah, we're looking at the video right now. Michael block. If you missed it, if you're not a sports fan, I guess it was a nice day. There are things to do, but man, Sitting there watching this live was a hell, was a lot of fun. It really was. And looking at the list of people he beat in this four-day tournament, this 46-year-old teaching pro finished one over, finished 15th in a major, and then uh, just sink, uh, just drink it all in, just just revel in the moment was pretty cool. I have to say. And he's playing next week. He got a sponsor's exemption for the uh, tournament in the Charles Schwab in Fort Worth. So we'll get to see him again. And I'm just going to predict right now, he's not going to make the cut. (laughs) He's not going to have a great weekend. This was a bolt out of the blue. Uh, You know what's more impressive to me than the hole-in-one? He's on 18. He's in the rough, and the crowd is all around him. And he's just, and he's got to get up and down. He's got to flop one up on the green and hit a putt to finish in the top 15. And he did it under unbelievable pressure and he just smiled the whole time just had a blast and i i gotta say i wasn't all that disappointing disappointed to see brooks kepka win because i i used to hate him he is kind of a dink but watching a guy with that killer instinct that a guy who's that clutch who also plays fast which i like was with that that was something to see too and uh and then the ensuing battle about uh, a, a live guy, you know, a traitor to his country, winning a major when uh, nobody thought he could or they would. They thought those live guys would just not be able to handle the pressure of uh, staring down all the best PGA players. And he did it. And I have to say, I, I was not at all disappointed. Kepka is an entertaining guy to see just go out there and do his thing. We can get back to that. I want to get to that, but we have so much going on on this Monday as usual. Daniel Penny speaks. Daniel Penny sat down in a gazebo on Long Island with a New York Post reporter. And you know what makes me sick about this? You know what disgusts me? 
that he even has to answer the question, are you a white supremacist? Where have we come? How far have we fallen as a society that a guy that most, that all decent people can agree is a hero who came to the rescue of people who were being harassed, who who were being threatened? I assume, like I said last week, I assume some of them were black, some of them were female, because that's who Jordan Neely liked to pick on. He liked to pick on old ladies. Sometimes he even broke their faces. He liked to kidnap kids. He was an absolute menace. And finally, and at last, somebody stood up to this punk, to this career criminal, and protected the other people on the subway. Daniel Penny didn't protect himself. He was fine. There was no way Jordan Neely was going to hurt him. He's big. He's tough. He's young. He's healthy. He's a Marine. He wasn't going to hurt Daniel Penny. Daniel Penny could have kept his head down and looked at his phone, looked out the window. He would have, it it would have been no problem. Could have gone about his life. Instead, he stepped up and did what so few people will do and protected the sheep. This was a a sheepdog who stopped the wolf from hurting the sheep. And we have to listen to him talk about deny that he's a white supremacist. What an absurd premise. You protected people on the subway, but you only did it because Jordan Neely was black. It's just so ridiculous. I'm so sick of these people, especially, and of course, Al Sharpton. I got a new rule, a new rule. Uh, You aren't allowed to give a eulogy at a funeral for someone you never met. You aren't allowed to give a eulogy at a funeral for someone you didn't give a damn about three days ago. It's just, it's just so, it's offensive to listen to somebody deliver a eulogy for a criminal, a criminal, again, a guy who liked to beat up women and pick on, you know, vulnerable old ladies in the subway and give them, give them a state funeral with a gold casket. This is just repulsive. He is just such a, just such a, just a disgusting human being. And by the way, you know, when he was done doing the, the eulogy, he was on MSNBC, you know, as a commentator and a host. How, how ridiculous is that? We'll get to that, too. We got Joe Biden abroad. I have a question about this, too. Joe Biden's in Japan with the G7 talking about whatever, our relations with these other countries. Why is he even there? Why? What, what, what does it take to... Uh, Stop this man from representing the United States. We found out two weeks ago that his entire family is on the payroll of the Chinese Communist Party. He is 100% compromised. He is, he, he's out there pretending that he's you know, got the full faith of the American people behind him when we know, in fact, he's a criminal. We know he's taking money and altering, he was taking money and altering policy as vice president. We know his grandchildren are taking these ill-gotten gains from the Chinese Communist Party. I think he should be lawyered up. I think the the House should impeach him today. I don't really understand how he uh, can go about his business like nothing's wrong when we already learned, among his other flaws, that he's a foreign agent. But, of course, he... uh, went before the world and embarrassed the United States as he always does. The NAACP wants to boycott Florida. The president of the NAACP lives in Florida. (laughs) This is so ridiculous. DeSantis hasn't even announced yet, but he's driving all the right people crazy. I'm looking forward uh, later this week to uh, DeSantis' announcement that he's thrown his hat in the ring and the really stupid tweets or truths that Donald Trump posts. Um, Trump knows DeSantis is the only threat. Trump knows DeSantis is better suited to defeat Biden. He's going to lose his mind later this week. Get ready, Ironhead. You're going to see. I want you to pay close attention to truth, truth social, Mm -hmm. because uh, Trump is going to just lose it. I'm finally honest. (laughs) He knows. I I mean, DeSantis is the better candidate. Trump, he's entertaining. Trump, he got screwed. I understand he wants revenge. I respect that. I want to win. DeSantis gives the Republicans a better chance to win. Uh, the uh, The coach of the Phoenix Mercury, she's pissed uh, because uh, Brittany Griner made her uh, return to the court 
and the arena was uh, like half filled. <laughs> People didn't rush out to see Brittany Griner and the WNBA and the coach just doesn't get it. And Jeffrey Epstein, uh, we'll, we'll get into this story if we have time. Jeffrey Epstein was blackmailing uh, Bill Gates. And I have a question. I see the story. I read the story. Why aren't, why isn't everyone demanding the list? They know Epstein's client list. The FBI, the thoroughly corrupt FBI has the client list. Why can't the American people see it? We know who, we know what these people did. They went to pedophile Island. We know he videotaped them and blackmailed them. We know that was the whole operation. We know Bill Gates is on the list. Bill Gates is a scumbag. He's still going to, you know, you'll see him today or so he'll be on CNN or 60 minutes talking about world health or COVID or, or climate change. It's like, why don't they interview Bill Cosby on the subject? I mean, what's the difference? Bill Gates, Bill Gates is, is just a creep. And somehow he doesn't, you know, his, his reputation doesn't seem to take a hit. We need the list. Vivek Ramaswamy, like I said, he's not going to be president, probably not going to be vice president, but I like his presence in the race. He brings up a lot of good issues. He's got a lot of energy and he's been saying, you vote for me, I will release the list. I like that strategy. They should all say it. DeSantis, Tim Scott, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Donald Trump, they should all say, Let's see the list. Reminder, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is doing time for trafficking young girls to nobody, to nobody. Why don't we know the clients? They committed crimes. They are sexual predators. We need that list. We need to see, you know, Bill Gates will be the number one name on the list, but there's going to be lots of other names. I would really like to get to the list. And uh, we'll get to this story. It's a little complicated. All you need to know is that Bill Gates had a girlfriend who they say is in her 20s. She doesn't look it to me. She looks like she's uh, in her teens. But uh, And he was in his mid-50s when they had a relationship. He's just a creep. That's all. But we'll get to that and lots more. But first... If you suffer from daily pain, I need you to listen to this message very carefully. As we age, aches and pains are normal, and we are all searching for effective ways to relieve pain, and safety is more important than ever. Let's be frank. We've all seen the horrors of the opioid crisis. You may even be affected by it personally, and that's where a groundbreaking medical scientist comes in, Clint Winters. You may have seen this world-renowned health expert featured in the national media as he unveiled a natural pain reliever that is taking the world by storm. Yes, I'm talking about Conolidine, Kono CB2, the 100% drug-free way to get full body pain relief without dangerous meds. As you read this, Kono CB2 has become the go-to pain reliever for hundreds of professional athletes, tens of thousands of seniors, and the pain reliever of choice for the UFC. Clint explains how Conolidine is the only compound on earth that optimizes your body's natural painkillers called endorphins at any age. When taken daily, your body will get back to relieving pain like you were in your prime in no time. And let me tell you, the reviews are incredible. Thousands of others who've tried virtually everything have not felt this great in years. Their daily pain has just faded away. I'm talking back, neck, joints, all feel great and renewed. Best of all, Kono CB2 does not make you feel the least bit groggy. You feel great, alert, and ready to take on the day. And the very best news, Kono CB2 has no documented side effects after years in private testing. So whatever you do, make sure to visit TryCB2.com and check out Clint's amazingly informative report on how Canolidine is changing lives by providing safe and powerful relief at one-tenth the cost of pain pills. Visit TryCB2.com to access the only canolidine product in the world. All right, let's get to a hero, American hero, Daniel Penny. He finally spoke over the weekend to the New York Post. Thank God. If he ever did an interview with the New York Times or NBC, I would have been, I would have, he would have lost me. <laughs> I'll just say that. But he's smart enough to uh, know who's going to give him a fair shake and who's already convicted him. I just find it bizarre, you know, that obviously it's a big story. Obviously, you know, uh, Jordan Neely unfortunately lost his life. And by the way, when are we getting the toxicology report? I'd be curious. The longer it takes, just like with the manifesto in Nashville, the longer it takes, the more I'm convinced there's something there. You know, if he were 
squeaky clean. If there were nothing in his system, wouldn't we have known by now? I'm not sure what the holdup is, but uh, it's from the New York Post on Saturday. It said, ex-Marine Daniel Penny insisted to the Post that the chokehold killing of Jordan Neely had nothing to do with race and everything to do with a broken system that so desperately failed us. In his first public comments since the caught-on-camera video of the May 1st tragedy on the F train, Penny was both soft-spoken and stoic about being at the center of a political and racial firestorm as he faces criminal charges that could send him to prison for up to 15 years. Quote, this had nothing to do with race. And they got the, you know, a picture of me sitting there. Uh, he was going, he, he's a surfer. He, 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 he looks the part, but he was heading to the gym on the train. No, no surprise there. He says, quote, I judge people based on their character. I'm not a white supremacist. I mean, it's a little bit comical. Everyone who's ever met me, met me can tell you, I love all people. I love all cultures. You can tell by my past and all my travels and adventures around the world, I was actually planning a road trip through Africa before this happened. I'm a normal guy. All right. He is, obviously, he's innocent of, of murder, manslaughter. Obviously, he's a hero. Obviously, he did what... Uh, what so many people refuse to do. And by the way, fewer and fewer people are going to do it. This is bad news for little old ladies on the subway. The next Jordan Neely is going to, you know, go ahead and break their faces and no one will stop them because the media and Democrats, you know, like AOC and Ayanna Presley and Al Sharpton have already convicted um, Daniel Penny. But uh, I, I mean, they're going to, bring it to a grand jury. Alvin Bragg is going to find a way right now. Alvin Bragg is trying to find a way to rig this so we can convict this hero. I don't think it's going to happen. Initially I said, it's New York. He's going against the whole system. He's going against the whole corrupt system of, of, of race hustlers and, and scum like Sharpton and AOC and Alvin Bragg. But now I, I don't think it's possible because even if you have a jury, with a bunch of Democrats, a bunch of liberals who hate Trump, and we've seen those juries uh, in New York time and time again, they ride the subway. You're going to get someone on that jury, if not many people on that jury, who ride the subway and have have been faced with harassment and threats like the people on that subway car. And what do you do if you're the prosecution, if you're Alvin Bragg, and they call as witnesses some of the, I don't know, 10 or 12 people? who are on the subway car, they've already spoken to the media, at least one of them, and, and said he's a hero and said he was protecting people, saving them from this, this, this criminal. You get one or two guy, people on the jury who deal with this daily on the subway, he walks. The idea that you would even attempt to prosecute him is just insane. But that's not the thing that bugs me about this. Why is he forced to deny that he's a white supremacist. What evidence is there that he's a white supremacist anyway? It has nothing, as he says, what does race have to do with it? Does anyone really think anybody believe that Daniel Penny wouldn't have stepped up and protected the people in that subway car if Jordan Neely were white or Hispanic or Asian or anything? I mean, this takes real guts to do what he did. Real guts. I mean, Penny... uh, uh, Neely sounds scary. You've seen, we've seen video of him. He was mentally ill. You know, he might've been on drugs. Who knows? He was violent. He has a violent history. He's been arrested 44 times, many times for violent crimes, sometimes for violent crimes on the subway. Uh, it takes real guts, real courage. And that's what we saw from Daniel Penny. And I think, I don't think the public's going to stand for it, even in New York city. People are just not buying this notion that uh, that Jordan Neely was lynched, which is what AOC said and, and Ayanna Presley said. We all know if Daniel Penny were black or Jordan Neely were white, if they were both white, both black, the the politicians, these these uh, these demagogues, these racial arsonists, wouldn't give a damn about Jordan Neely's life. Al Sharpton's doing a eulogy for someone he never met. 
he's only doing it because Jordan Neely was black. I mean, if Jordan Neely were white, he's only doing it because Jordan Neely was black and Daniel Penny's white. That's the only reason. When are we going to call out these people? I mean, it's just disgusting what they're allowed to do, how they're allowed to use this to advance their their political agenda or in Al Sharpton's place to make money. I mean, that's why Sharpton does it. That's why Ben Crump does it. It's just so cynical and, and just so nauseating. Uh, well, how do we, I mean, why do we as a public just shame these people? These people use race. Uh, they, they, they know they don't, they, Al Sharpton didn't give a damn about, about Daniel Penny. AOC, as we've said, if Daniel Penny died on the sidewalk, had a heart attack and was choking and vomiting on himself and, and passed out on the sidewalk, AOC would step over him on her way to the Met Gala to get in a, you know, an SUV to get to the Met Gala. She went to the funeral in a SUV and took selfies with, with fans at the funeral. That's the kind of person AOC is. And then of course, Sharpton. And I, I blame the family, Daniel Penny. I mean, uh, Jordan Neely's family, shame on them. These are disgusting people too. They're blaming others. They're blaming people on the subway for not stepping up and helping Jordan. What did they do? He was homeless. He was mentally ill. They expected strangers on the subway to do what they wouldn't do, help their loved one in this time of great turmoil, in this, in this time where he's having a mental breakdown. They said, why don't you help him? Well, what, where were you, aunt, uncle? I know his mother was tragically murdered. That's, that's awful. That's tragic. But the family, surviving family members who have dollar signs in their eyes are blaming strangers for not doing what they wouldn't do. And then they don't, it's not an uncle, not a cousin, not a friend doing the eulogy. It's Al freaking Sharpton. There and then you knew these are, these are people just looking to cash in on this, on the unfortunate uh, passing of their loved one. I, I, again, how, how is this, how do you pick this slime ball? I mean, everybody knows what Sharpton is. Everybody knows Sharpton again. If, if, if Jordan Neely were on the subway next to him and he was having an episode and he was dying, Sharpton would move because he wouldn't want to get anything on his nice suit. If, if he was literally dying in the seat next to him, Shopton would look the other way. He would walk away. He wouldn't give a damn. Somehow we're supposed to believe, you know, this was a great heartbreak for Al Shopton. But let's watch a little bit of this uh, eulogy. Listen to a little bit of the eulogy he gave for someone he never met and someone he didn't give a damn about three days ago. Good. When I first got the call about Jordan and later talked with Johnny Green, who is pastor here, and Johnny Green told me of how Jordan's mother was killed. And her funeral was right here. And Jordan sat right there and watched his mother funeralized, who'd been chopped up. And he'd never been the same. Jordan was not annoying someone on the train. Jordan was screaming for help. <laughs> we keep criminalizing people with mental illness. People keep criminalizing people that need help. They don't need abuse, they need help. What, what, what help do you think Al Sharpton would have offered him? They're criminalizing people on the subway. This is a guy who punched a 67-year-old woman in the face, breaking her nose and uh, orbital bone for no reason, just because that's what he did. He attacked people. That was his thing. And I'm sure Sharpton got to the Michael Jackson part, which, again, is nauseating. He hadn't been Michael Jackson in a decade those videos, those photos you see him of Michael Jackson, they're old. They're old. They're just like when they show the picture of him, his high school picture. That was 12, at least 12 years ago. That's not who he was on that subway. That's not what he was doing. He wasn't moonwalking 
and singing, you know, uh, beat it or, or uh, you know, man in the mirror. He was not. He was threatening people. They were afraid. They were trapped. They had no way out. Daniel Penny was there to save, to protect them when no one else would. And you got this charlatan, this absolute vile piece of garbage, pretending like he really cares. Uh, you know what? The hell with Jordan Daly's family. You're going to bring this guy in. You're going to tell people on the subway, strangers, that they should have helped your loved one when you did nothing? Screw them. We got any more from Al? Sure do. Who yeah. doesn't wash his hands after he goes to the bathroom? I was there. I witnessed it at the airport in uh, Washington, D.C. He came out just like the scene in uh, Seinfeld, came out of the stall, looked in the mirror, walked out of the bathroom. I watched it. But anyway, that's just one of his, you know, one of his character flaws. But let's listen to more of this race hustler pretending he gives a damn about uh, Jordan Neely. Good. And we'll make good. We're going to have a new city and new city services. So if we look angry, we are. But we're not mad. Difference between going mad and being angry. Yes, we're angry. Because we had another funeral we shouldn't have had to be at. Yes, we're angry. Because you see our children as objects rather than human. Yes, we're angry. Because you keep choking us to death rather than leaving, living, and building, and building, and building us up. And we won't stop till we change this nation. We won't stop till we change this city. We won't stop until the Jordans get help. When they scream, we gonna help them, not choke them. We gonna stand up, there'll be no justice, there'll be no peace. God, no justice, no peace. Biggest race hustler of them all, honest to God. I, I guess... I guess that's just what he does. And he goes from there, jumps in a limo, heads to the MSNBC studios and does, you know, expert analysis on the news of the day. Sits down with Joe Scarborough and his honey and talks about the news of the day. You know what? He, he cashes in. That's what he does. He's cashing in here. I'm not sure how he's making money off that family, but I guarantee he is. I don't maybe give him a discount on his normal appearance fee, but he got something for it. And by the way, Ironhead and I were looking at videos over the weekend. There are videos constantly. It's the world we live in of these beatdowns on the subway. Some of them on the street. There's one in LA, a, a bunch of uh, black kids beat the crap out of a, a, a white guy uh, for whatever reason on the sidewalk, kicking them. There's one in the subway in Chicago. Do we have that one Ironhead in the subway in Chicago? Watch a group of, uh, of subway riders just go to town on somebody they thought somebody who is kind of threatening here he is we're looking at it uh he hit uh, he hit a woman on the train and then so he hit a woman we call that doing a jordan neely hit a woman on the train and he's just out of his mind he's screaming at everybody having a having an episode i would say you'd say sort of like jordan neely right having an episode and the uh other passengers are sick of it they take him down and they don't just restrain them with a chokehold. They are kicking. What's this guy kicking them in the head? They beat the sh the crap out of them. They, they beat the crap out of them. Um, can you check and see if AOC has tweeted about this or uh, Ayanna Presley? Is this a lynching? Is this? <laughs> are we comparing this guy to Emmett Till? Um, I know he didn't die, but man, they they beat the hell out of him because he was uh, threatening people on the subway. Not a word from anybody. It's just insane. It's just, I mean, are, are people just tired of this? They look, they say, oh, what color is he? Oh, he's black. What color is the guy kicking him in the head? Oh, is he white? Please let him be white, please. Oh, no, he's black. AOC goes back to her business. Ayanna Presley goes, does, they don't care. Once they see the assailant is not white, they don't give a damn. How do you... How do you respect someone like that? How do you take someone like that seriously? They look at the same videos we look at. And if the, the assailant is black or the victim is black and the victim, the victim's white, if it's not white on black, they don't give a shit, period. How do you take someone like that seriously? How do they, 
How do you listen to someone like that and say, well, you know, we have a problem. Let's, uh, let's address the root causes. Let's find out what we, no, you say you're a clown. You don't care about violence on the subway, on the street, on the sidewalk. You don't care about these five on six on one beatdowns if you can't use it. That, that is disqualifying. I'm not going to listen to you. Any proposal, any ideas you have? No, you're, you're out. You are nothing but a two-bit race hustler, no different than Al Sharpton. That's what we should, that's how we should deal with every one of these politicians who is accusing Daniel Penny, a surfer boy from Long Island who was heading to the gym of being a white. He should say, what, what, what do you mean, white supremacist? What does that even mean? You think I think I'm superior? Why? Because I protected old ladies on the subway? The good news is Daniel Penny's defense fund is up to two point. $744 million. I hope he gets rich. I hope he uh, gets to take that trip across Africa. Hope he gets back, you know, hope he gets a job. He was looking for a job as a bartender, going to school, that's done his time as a Marine. I mean, the more you learn, the more you realize Daniel Penny is just an awesome guy who deserves all the credit in the world. We should be, as a country, we should all agree he's a hero. We should honor him. He should get, like I said, he should get his face on a can of beer, a can of Bud Light or Miller Light. Put him on there, and I will think about drinking up again. But no, Daniel Penny, he's the one under the gun. Uh, he's the one has to defend himself. And so, no, I don't, I don't hate black people. He was protecting black people. Why don't you say that, Daniel? Just say, look at the other people on the subway. Let's let's. Let's talk to them. I know they're, I know they're, they don't want to be in the spotlight. They don't want their names out there. I know they've talked anonymously, but let's talk to them. Let's talk to the old lady, the old African-American woman on the subway who was facing the harassment and the threats from uh, Jordan Neely. See what she has to say about Daniel Penny. This case is a joke. The idea that it's being brought is a joke. I will say that they're putting him through this is just wrong. I will say the one thing I, I wish he didn't do was the, I was actually going to go through it on a trip through Africa later this week. It's like, I know that's what bugs me though. They don't put him do on that. the spot. They put him on the defensive. He should not be on the defensive. He should have said, and I assume his lawyers have, have advised him. He should have said, I was protecting black people. I was protecting old ladies from a guy who was known to beat up old ladies. How is that not all the defense you need? What does it matter? What does it matter? Are you a white supremacist? That is just repulsive. Speaking but. of uh, beer cans, by the way, I don't know if you saw the uh, the latest on on the Bud Light news. <laughs> the, the latest, uh, I probably did. Oh yeah, the Bud Light. This is perfect. I love this. Bud Light lost its you know top rating from uh, is it the uh, Human Rights Committee or one of those uh, groups that you know grades corporations on just how woke they are. Uh, they lost their high rating for the LBGTQ plus community because they didn't defend Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> Bud Light has lost support from their former target audience and their new target audience, who, by the way, doesn't drink Bud Light. I love this. It is absolutely the greatest boycott ever. I will never, ever drink a Bud Light. And I know lots of people agree with me. This is how it works. Big corporations, you want to go woke, screw you. I think it's kind of fun. I'm looking at different beers, trying to figure out, find a new beer, because I can't drink Bud Light or Miller Light. So try different beers. Miller Light hurts a lot. That was your beer? Uh, still, I still have a ton in my fridge. Well, you can finish. I'll allow you to finish it, Ironhead. But after that, it's Yingling time or whatever. Paps Blue Ribbon. Yeah, I saw a girl, a woman, young, like 21-year-old, walking out of the grocery store with a case of Pap's Blue Ribbon the other day on Saturday, and I just laughed. I wanted to tell her, let me guess, you used to be a Bud Light drinker, but nobody. I was in a restaurant the other night, and I'm, that's what I do. I walk around, look at see. Nobody is drinking Bud Light. Nobody. People don't want to be seen with a Bud Light in their hand or on their table. Nobody. And there's all kinds of uh, videos and, and pictures online of uh, uh, stores that can't give it away. There's one where I think it's fake. There's a picture of Bud Light at a Walmart and it's one, 
It's $2 a case. I saw that. <laughs> $2 a case. That's not real, is it? I, I have I was looking. I didn't pr- pull it up because I couldn't confirm it. I, I don't think it's real. I think it's like that that Trump truth social post we thought we had, but it was fake. We think it's fake. You got to be uh, careful of that. Speaking of fake, let's get to Joe Biden overseas representing the United States at the G7, talking to our trade partners in uh, Asia. And it just, I can't look at this. I can't do it. It is ridiculous that a man we know is, uh, has sold out his country. A man we know took bribes while vice president is dealing with foreign countries, some of whom I assume he's taking money from. And the idea that there's no evidence when we know his grandchildren, his son, his brother, his daughter-in-law, his former daughter-in-law, his son's girlfriend, his son's, you know, they're all taking money, nine members of the family taking money from communist China. How is he even, how we even allow him to represent this country on the world stage? It's just embarrassing. And even if he weren't in the throes of dementia, it would be embarrassing, but he is. There were a couple of moments in Japan where you just said, enough, enough. Let's just tell everyone that he's, uh, he's got the flu. He can't make these trips. He can't appear at these events. He can't show up there and attempt to perform the duties of the office because he's incapable. President Fetterman right here was in Japan and uh, you try to figure out what he's talking about. Do we have that one cut which went viral? This is, look at this. He's got the seal. He's got the thing behind him. He's got the whole world watching. And this is what this buffoon had to say. Go ahead. And there's a lot of other, for example, the idea that we're, uh, in terms of uh, taxes, that they refuse to, for example, we, uh, <laughs> I was able to balance the budget and pass everything from the, the global warming bill. Anyway, I was able to cut by $1.7 billion in the first two years the deficit that we uh, were, uh, were accumulating. And uh, because I was able to say to it that the 55 corporations in America that made 40, 400 billion dollars or 40 billion dollars, 400 billion dollars, that uh, they uh, they hit pay zero in tax. Zero. <laughs> uh, uh, first of all, he's lying about the deficit. Second of all, he meant trillion, not billion. Third of all, the global warming bill. You think that's a good thing? Yeah. The idea that we're not going to cut. I know we have this showdown on the debt ceiling. And I know that, as usual, Democrats have one big advantage. They have the media lying for them. The media's in their back pocket telling you they'll blame the Republicans, of course, if this is shut down. I like government shutdowns. 85% of the government doesn't shut down. But the idea that we can't cut anything to pre-pandemic levels is absurd We've wasted so much in the first two years of this lawless administration. You think it would be easy. It is easy, but Biden is a puppet of the far left, the the squad, the radical environmentalist, the climate cult. He does their bidding and he's going to continue to do their bidding. I hope Kevin McCarthy, I, I think he will hold the line. But he just lies. I balanced the budget. What ba- what budget did he ever balance? <laughs> balance the budget? I mean, he just lies like so comfortably, confidently, just casually lie. I balanced the budget. I cut 1.7 billion, which would be nothing. He meant trillion and he didn't do that either. <laughs> just so ridiculous. We have him uh, with Peter Ducey. Somehow Ducey got on the plane and made it over there. And somehow he managed to ask a question of the empty husk. Uh, as he took a few questions, I'll bet you this was an accident. I bet he had his little list. He was there to call on his uh, campaign volunteers from the Washington Post and the New York Times and NBC and CNN. And somehow Ducey slipped in with a question and uh, Biden handled it as, uh, as awkwardly as you'd expect. Good. Mr. President, on the deadline, you said already, I've done, I've done my part. Do you think that if there's a brief, of course, no one will blame me. I know you won't. You'll be saying Biden did a wonderful job. I, I, I know you. Would you be blameless at the false degree? On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. 
And by the way, that's one of the that's one of the things that some are, are contemplating. I actually had. Well, I got to be careful here. I think there are some MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. And because I am president and presidents are responsible for everything, Biden would take the blame. And that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. <laughs> no, you know what the one way to make sure Biden's not? Let him speak. Let him out of the basement. Let him out of the uh uh, let him out of his beach house. Let him appear before the, he can't. I'm more convinced than ever that he will not be the uh, nominee. He just can't. It's just a trillion, $200 billion debate a year and a half from now. He's going to be worse. He's going to look like Feinstein or Fetterman in a year and a half. He can't do it, which is good. But, uh, we have another, whatever it is, 19, 18 months of just looking, watching to this this criminal represent our country. It is uncomfortable. Did you All see right, uh, uh, with the Fetterman with his uh, sweatshirt and the shorts? They're like, he's more confident than ever. So that's why yes. they did it, because he's comfortable now. <laughs> that's right. Who uh, Was that Was that the Washington Post? Someone I said, uh, so. yeah, it, you know, when he had to wear a jacket and tie, you know, he was very uptight. And now that he could be himself. So he's wearing... And it's one thing to be yourself. You, you know, don't wear a jacket or don't wear a tie. Just wear a decent dress shirt. But no, he has to go to the extreme and wear that hooded sweatshirt and gym shorts. And you know that even the Democrats are looking and say, what is this guy doing? God, what an embarrassment. And uh, But they got to get him to hang on a little longer. I think it's August. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they need him to hang on. They need Feinstein to go because they know there's no threat. There will be no special election. They'll just name another moon bat to represent California. But all right, we got lots more to get to. Uh, let's just do uh, now. You know what? I don't know if we'll do uh, uh, Epstein and uh, Gates. We'll get to that. Uh, but I want to do um, so much going on in sports. I want to get to uh, the Celtics because I, I, I don't think I've ever seen I've seen a lot of players, a lot of teams kind of give up on their coach, kind of lose faith in their coach and, you know, kind of shiv them in the back. I've never seen it so out in the open. If you missed it last night, the Celtics had their backs against the wall. They were playing the the heat in Miami. Celtics are the better team. They had the better record by far. They were the second seed. Miami snuck into the playoffs as the eighth seed. Uh, they went up 2-0, two, two close games, I guess, uh, uh, in Boston, Miami, up both big upsets. They go to Miami. Celtics just still favored. What were they favored last night, Ironhead, by like It was uh, or- seven and a half, I believe. Seven and a half. I think. They end up losing. What's the final score? They end up losing. They, they were down 30. It was just humiliating. And it was never, I mean, you often hear people who don't really want to analyze what happened in the game, just say, oh, they gave up. Oh, they didn't, they didn't want it. The other team wanted it more. No heart, no guts. And it's usually just a cliche. It's an excuse for, you know, a fan or an analyst to just, they don't have anything else to say. So they say, oh, that team had no heart. Yeah. 128, 102. It wasn't that close. No, it was not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Pritchard brought him back from uh, being down 30 something. It was it was, in fact, one of the most humiliating losses I've ever seen by a team favored. In other words, they beat the spread by uh, the 35, the, the Heat. But it was, it was like they just didn't care. And I could see if you're, you know, end of the regular season, you had a bad year, you just wanted to get it over with. These guys were favored to win the title. And they certainly were favored to go to the NBA Finals. And they just quit. There were many examples where you could see it, where they didn't get back on defense. They didn't contest a shot. They didn't move the ball on offense or cut to the hoop. They just kind of went into a fog that can only be explained by a team that didn't want to win, that didn't want to do it for their coach. Jason Tatum, I didn't notice when he left the court at the end of, uh, you know, in the third, I get, was he, did he play in the fourth? When he left the court, did he hold up like a one and a four for the 14 points he scored? 
That's because uh, I I ridiculed him a little bit, criticized him when he held up the fifty one the other day when he scored fifty one, and people were like, oh, you're uh, you don't like fun, or you're racist, you're picking on the black. Okay, um, did he hold up the one in the four? Did Jason Brown? I mean, Jalen Brown was he proud of the twelve he put up? The two of them, Tatum and Brown, two superstars went are seven for 40 three-point shots. Well, I'm also pretty sure that Tatum and Brown had nine and eight points after the first quarter. That's true. They just went away. It was remarkable. And they just played, you know, everyone just did their own thing. I, I mean, you'll never see a more obvious example of a team just showing no fight. Wow. And we can only conclude that they want to get rid of their coach. They don't like their coach. You know, a couple of days ago, they were supposed to win the title for this guy. Uh, not anymore. He's done. They will lose tomorrow. My, my, I've always said this. When a team goes up 3-0, that should be it. The end of the series. You shouldn't have to play a fourth game. It would add a real, add a lot of interest to the third game. You'd eliminate this waste of time, which is game four. And even if they win game four, game five, I mean, no team has ever come back from 3-0. They shouldn't play the fourth game. That should be it. That would be an appropriate, a fitting final scene for the 2022-2023 Celtics. But I don't want to hear any more comparisons, Jason Tatum, with uh, with Larry Bird, because this is not a Larry Bird thing. You know, he had some Larry Bird games in the uh, Sixers series, and he has his moments, and he scored 30 a game, and he's a first-team All-NBA but this is not what great players do. Just give up. And uh, after the game, I find it interesting. Someone asked Brown about uh, the coach, uh, Missoula, you know, taking the blame. And he didn't say it's not his fault. It's our fault. He said, it's a collective thing. It's all our fault. He didn't defend his coach because he wants to get rid of him. And uh, it's too bad in the NBA you can't fire the coach. I mean, you can't fire the players. You have to fire the coach and you'll never see a better example of this. These guys are all safe. They'll all be back. They'll sign max deals. Tatum's going to make 300 million and Brown's going to make 200 and whatever, 50, 40 million. And Missoula will be an assistant coach somewhere sitting behind a coach and they'll bring in the other problem. Missoula has is lots of uh, uh, former coaches of the year available now including Doc Rivers, guys like that are on uh, on the market and available. But uh, that was the worst of sports, the Celtics quitting. The best of sports, and I don't care if you think, if you don't like golf or say it's just golf. Again, it's not golf. Any, I mean, it's, I don't even feel like, I like any sport when the pressure's on. As I've said, you watch an NHL playoff game, game seven, third period, there's nothing like it. Overtime, four over, nothing like it. Watching pressure where every shot matters so much. I guess you could say there was pressure on the Celtics last night and they quit and they gave up. But pressure is a major championship in golf. And watching guys perform or, or, or choke under pressure, I find fascinating. And we got to see it on display at the PGA. Uh, before we get to that, let's get to Barkley. We got the Barkley cut. Barkley is great. And one of the things he's great at is stating the obvious because most commentators don't want to state the obvious because they don't want to criticize players or coaches. You know, most of them are, are, you know, jock sniffers and stooges and they, you know, they want to play again or coach again or be in the good graces of coaches. And Barkley's great gift is he doesn't give a damn. He never has, he has no filter. He doesn't have a agenda. He just says what pops in his head. Sometimes it's stupid. But he said exactly what everyone was thinking at half. Do we have his halftime yeah, comment? It was, it was halftime. The halftime comment, they go to him. I'm watching, I'm saying, just say it, Charles. Just say they quit. They suck. And he did exactly that. It was, there was no great, no great sophistication here. It was just Barkley telling the truth after watching the Celtics quit in a playoff game on national TV. Go ahead. I'm embarrassed for the Celtics. That display of basketball, no mental toughness, complaining, complaining on every single call. Now, they are getting away with some calls, but they they, they made the refs mad because they complain on every single call. But the lack of mental toughness, it's embarrassing. 
I've been fortunate and blessed to play against the, the Lakers and the Celtics, the two best organizations in NBA history. That was an embarrassment for the Celtics. Paul Pierce, Garnett, Larry Bird, ML Carr, Kevin McHale, the best player I played against. That was embarrassing as a Celtics fan. That was that, that was just perfect. He, he kind of did the same thing after the game. Uh, I mean, everyone did it after the game. But uh, it's so true. They were getting smoked. They were getting outworked. And they were whining about every call, just pitching. Every pitching, pitching. single call. It's just like, shut up. After a while, it, they, the refs weren't screwing them. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some Celtic homer on the radio today saying, oh, the refs screwed them. But I don't think the refs were a factor. Just going to say it. When you lose by 30, or you should have lost by 40 or 50, not for the garbage time hoops, uh, you can't blame the ref. You can't blame the ref when you go down 0-3 to an eight seed. You lose two at home, and then you get embarrassed on the road. The refs have nothing to do with it. And uh, the fact that these guys just can't play without bitching. Maybe you blame the coach for that. I don't know, but uh, they got to they gotta you know, address that. Tatum, Brown, smart, smart. I've never seen such a great defensive player. The defensive player of the year last year, I believe, just a great defensive player who is also the biggest flopper in the league. I mean, he plays his ass off. He's a great play, defensive player. And he just flops constantly, you know, flopping all over the court. It's like, just stop, play the game. All right, let's do Shea, and then we'll get to a couple more things, including the awesome performance by Michael Block at the PGA Championship. As you know, Shea Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. This is your spring project, people. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great uh, values on designs that will fit your home. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town and do it now. Do it this spring. No reason not to. You know that removing the stairs is a pain. They're heavy. They're awkward. And where do you take them when you get rid of them? Shea will take care of all that for you. They Leave it to them. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's more than an upgrade. It's an investment. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you'll get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at SheaConcrete.com and... While you're there, you can look for a job. Shake Concrete is hiring. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people and skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. That's it. Go to shakeconcrete.com. Uh, all right, the, um, we got anything from Trump on True Social? I'm waiting for He's He's going to uh, lose it. DeSantis is in his head. And I don't think anyone's there to filter him like early in the morning or late at night. He's going to post my prediction today, some of the dumbest stuff we've ever seen from Donald Trump on two social in the next couple of days. Get ready. Uh, but speaking of uh, dumb, the uh, NCAA is uh, I'm NAACP. It's calling for a boycott of Florida. Florida last year had 137 million visitors, tourists, including me. Uh, and the, and they think it's a hostile environment. Because I don't even know why DeSantis, somehow DeSantis not allowing, uh, you know, drag queens in, in schools is somehow offensive. You know what? You want to talk about a, a failed boycott? This will be one that, that, that will have no effect at all. Uh, uh, wait, I do have a Trump truth. It's pretty stupid. Uh, I've won two elections. The second far bigger than the first. It was rigged. My endorsement is considered far and away the most powerful in political history. I'm blowing away DeSanctimonious in the polls, and oh, I'm leading geez. Biden and Harris big, whereas DeSanctus is losing in, uh, to both. I have gotten DeSanctus. more. <laughs> DeSanctus. DeSanctus hasn't declared yet. That's why the polls just wait. Can we wait till he declares to wait till there's some campaigning? Who cares what the polls say? By the way, the polls in swing states, he's not killing them in the states that matter. Uh, and second, he lost to me. You could say it was rigged. It was rigged. It was rigged. We know it was rigged by the FBI, the CIA, big tech. It was rigged. But was it rigged when you selected Herschel Walker to run in, uh, ten, uh, in Georgia? Was it rigged when you picked Dr. Oz or Doug Mastriana? 
Mastriano in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, those guys lost. There were better candidates. You chose Herschel because he was a big, tough football player. He was a terrible candidate, and it cost us the Senate. Why don't you post about that, Donald? But all right, that, that boycott of Florida, not going to work, unlike the Bud Light boycott. But uh, let's get to this. And uh, uh, I, I got to say, I'm sitting there. I watch it live. I, I wasn't, it wasn't recording and I saw it and I just was jumped on. It was just so cool. If you missed it, Michael Block is a club pro, a teaching pro in California. He was in the PGA championship. The fact that he made the cut was a miracle. He's 46 years old. Then he makes the cut. Then he plays with uh, Justin Rose on Saturday. Then he plays with Rory McIlroy on Sunday. And he had three rounds, I think three rounds in 71 of 71. Uh, finished 15th, earned a spot in next year's PGA. But this hole-in-one was just remarkable. It goes in on the fly. He doesn't even know it's in. The whole place erupts. Rory's hugging him. He's still looking around going, what happened? He made $280,000. A guy who gives lessons for a living. And then when he's sitting there, he's having a few drinks with his friends. I think his wife was there. He gets a phone call from the guy running the tournament in Fort Worth, the uh, uh, whatever it's called, the uh, uh, Charles Schwab this week, invites him to play this week where he will miss the cut. But man, it was something to see. He just wouldn't go away. I kept saying, this is the day he shoots 85. And he didn't. He just kept it together for four days. And it was great. He was so, just having so much fun out there and just enjoying soaking in the moment. And uh, he was different. All the other guys, they work hard to control their emotions. He was just letting it all out, smiling and high-fiving people the whole time. It was a great story, a great scene. And Kepka wins again. And uh, we are forced to revisit the, um, I don't think we have time for this, but uh, they were talking on Golf Channel. I saw this too, by the way, Golf Channel. They had uh, Faxon, Brad Faxon, our friend against uh, Brandel Chambly, talking about live. And Chambly is all offended. He's upset that a live guy won and he doesn't think live guys should be on the Ryder cup. And Faxon was kind of saying, you know, they're playing for their country. They're not playing for the PGA tour or their sponsors to play for their country. And, and they have this stare down. I swear it went on for 30 seconds, just staring at each other. And I was, I was tempted to pull a Dino and, and text Faxon because this just annoys me. I'm no big fan of Saudi Arabia, but every company that sponsors the PGA Tour does business in Saudi Arabia. The U.S. government does business with Saudi Arabia. The president was fist bumping the uh, the evil uh, crown prince. Uh, Saudi Arabia's ally. You you might think they you know they're they're great violators of human rights and they are, but you can't pick and choose. So he's okay with. Uh, guys like Rory McIlroy and uh, Tony Finau and Scotty Scheffler with the swoosh. They got swooshes and swooshes all over themselves. Those swoosh products, those shirts and hats are made by Uyghur Muslim slaves in China. Brandel, you cool with that? You know, that, that that's okay, right? So you can make, you could take the moral high ground when it comes to Saudi Arabia, but you got no problem with China sponsoring some of your guys. I thought uh, Faxon made some made made a better argument, and I don't care. You take the live money, good. You know what you did? You increased the leverage for the PGA guys, and they're making more money, and there's more interest in the sport, and you, there's a whole new dynamic where you wonder if the live guys can handle going in the major and playing. They were booing Pac, uh, Kepka and and uh, uh, Brendel and uh, Bryson DeChambeau on the first day. They weren't booing on the last day. It was impressive. He's a mentally tough guy, man. He just goes out there and plays you know, his ass off in these uh, majors, and Kepka wins his fifth major. And uh, I'm okay with it because he plays quick, and he plays, and he's clutch, and he's tough, and it was entertaining. But uh, we'll be watching Michael Block this weekend when he uh, goes to Fort Worth and shoots 92. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to but he was fun, man. That was a blast. Anyway, that's a guy coming through in the clutch, unlike Tatum and Brown, who a couple of dogs who are who've got some explaining to do when this is all over tomorrow night. But that will do it for today. Maybe we'll get to the Jeffrey Epstein Bill Gates scandal tomorrow. 
It's an interesting one. And Gates, as we said, is a scumbag, just a scumbag of the highest order. But uh, we will leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone for uh, listening. Thank you, Iron Ed. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not Who thinks it takes Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.